Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode we talk about how Imran Khan is trying to challenge the Pakistani army and the current establishment. We also talk about the disqualification of senior Samajwadi Party leader Azam Khan. But first we bring you a special segment from a small village in Maharashtra. Now we often hear older people talk about how kids are not reading enough these days that they're spending too much time on their phones and how they're simply addicted to social media. So to do something about this some villages in Maharashtra have started a very interesting initiative and one of these villages is Khera Devangi. So this village that we have gone to Khera Devangi this is located in uh, Sangli district This is Alifia Khan who reports on education for the Indian Express. She is the one who visited this village and recently reported about it. Sangli is uh, one of Maharashtra's uh, very well-known districts. It's uh, known for the largest number of sugar factories in India. This district alone has more than 30 sugar factories. So this is a very very rich industrial as well as farming belt that we have over here. and this village is located towards the border of uh, satara and sangli alifia had gone to this village because she had heard that at exactly 7 pm something unusual happens so she made sure that she reached a couple of hours before that so when we went in most of the villagers had finished their work for the day i saw a lot of people gathered in twos and threes in corners and in chopals in the village and uh, outside houses i saw a lot of children playing in groups uh, some of them the older ones actually you know just loitering around and i saw a lot of groups of younger ones together who were playing and shouting and there was a lot of noise and uh, they were there mothers who were asking them to tone it down at least until 7 pm this is what i saw and at 7 pm this happened so it was very dramatic actually bang right at 7 pm there was this siren that went off this huge loud sound that i heard coming off from the school nearby and uh, i remember i was chatting up with this lady right outside her house and uh, as soon as this siren went off this woman turned behind and she yelled at her elder daughter who was sitting inside the room and she said close the tv and after that i heard these kids who were playing i saw like them shouting literally they were like screaming their lungs out and they were running and going towards their houses so it was as if a pied piper has blown his pipe so as soon as they heard the siren these kids were going into their homes and after you know i saw this i asked for the direction to the sarpanch's house and i started walking back so i could hear mothers calling children in marathi hey, 
so mostly what i saw was that at this time all the kids were rushing back into their houses and wherever i went after 7 pm into the village because it was quite a walk to go to the sarpanch's house everywhere i saw that all screens whether it be television whether it be mobile phones i couldn't see a screen anywhere that was on or being used this is part of the village's daily digital blackout a time when kids rush home keep everything aside and then take out one hour where they are not staring at any kind of screen absolutely no screens are allowed during this time and almost the entire village participates in it which had initially come as a surprise to olivia so it was a little difficult to believe that an entire village would follow suit and do something like that so me and my colleague a photographer who was with me we decided to pan out separately in the village and go house to house and see what's actually happening so what we saw was that in every house that we visited and we visited more than 30 40 houses between us we did not see screens on in any of the houses what we saw was children who were either in silos or children in groups who were sitting out and uh, they were reading some of them were reading out loud some of them were reading out in silence pratham vakyatil vakyatil kriya pad olkhava tyachavarun kriya karnara shabda shodha this was actually like the kind of hour which the village had dedicated to reading so whatever reading it was in some houses i also saw mothers sitting and reading with the children so i asked one of these mothers what she is reading and uh, she said it's a poti so poti is basically this religious book which has you know some scriptures so she was sitting and reading with her child in most houses though i did not see the mothers reading with the children what the mothers were doing was they were doing housework in one house i saw a woman who was sewing she was stitching clothes and there were three girls who were sitting on the floor next to her and they were doing their homework in one house i saw a mother who was cooking in the kitchen she was cleaning rice she was uh, keeping dal and uh, she had two children a boy and a girl who was sitting outside and who was studying so mostly these mothers were doing their regular household work but at the same time they kept a watchful eye like you know in this case of this woman who was cleaning rice in the kitchen i heard her intermittently call out to her children and say read it out loud i cannot hear what you are doing alifia says that she found the entire experience quite remarkable especially as a mother of a 4 year old who also struggles with managing screen time for her child so it was a different feeling altogether there was a lot of calm if you ask me for one word in how i had to describe this thing the entire village it was literally pin drop silence so i haven't experienced that kind of calm of course we live in urban cities so it's difficult for us to experience that but there was a lot of calm over there it felt good just to go from one place to another and to see this atmosphere that they have created and honestly it's very awe inspiring because it's a behavioral change that they have brought in it's not easy to bring about so many people together at the same time and to do this it was as if they are working as one unit and that's something that is commendable 
She says that the village has now been doing this for over six months. But the idea for it actually started during the pandemic when the schools were shut and the kids were just sitting at home. Kids had gotten unruly because there was no school, there was no physical activity and no sustained channel to their energy. So these kids were getting a lot of screen time. They were addicted to it. They had seen a lot of behavioral changes in the kids. And then uh, when the school teachers actually suggested and they were brainstorming on how to come up with, you know, ideas on how to channel the energy of these children and how to get them de-addicted to these screens. So that was the reason why this was started, where they decided that all of us together, even the parents, the grandparents, the entire family as a unit will make this sacrifice that for this one hour, there will be no screens anywhere. But getting everyone to follow this was not easy. And the village faced considerable challenges in trying to do that. But in the end, it was the local school management committee, which is made up of parents, that decided to take a lead on this. So they initially started doing it and the villagers were skeptical because, you know, they weren't sure if something like this will work. So some of them in private even told me that they used to make fun of these people when it initially started. But then uh, slowly and steadily, one person and then a second person and then a third person, that's when people started to come on board. And uh, they started getting recognition from the local block education officers. And all this matters a lot. So when all that started coming in, that's when the village decided that maybe this is a sustainable idea and this is what we should do. And so slowly, everyone got on board. and the village started to take the 7pm siren very seriously. And the fact that now almost everyone is taking part in it makes it work much better. So I got a very interesting perspective from this girl who has two younger siblings. She actually has the responsibility of getting the homework done for her younger siblings. So she said initially before all of this siren was put into place and there was a timetable to do these things, it was very difficult for her to get her younger siblings in and make them sit down at one place. So she said that I would have to do my own homework and then I would have to chase after them. So basically I wouldn't get time because half my time used to be spent into either my homework or their homework and chasing them. But now it's one time of the day when I know that we are all going to sit together. And, you know, she had a very interesting perspective. She said that even if her siblings want to go now, where will they go? Because everybody is in their homes. So they don't have a choice but to sit with her. So it's something like that for the kids that even if they want to go out and be naughty or they want to do something, they really can't because there's nobody out in the village doing anything like that. And screens won't be allowed at home. So it's more like a compulsive reading hour for the kids. And interestingly, this is not the only village that is doing this. In this block itself, a total of five villages are following this program. And I am told that in other blocks as well, slowly and steadily, other villages have started to adopt this. You know, so the blocks which are closer to this block and where the word has spread, it's going through word of mouth. So wherever, you know, this news is spreading to other villages, they are trying it in experiments. But in five villages of this block, at least for sure, the block education officers have paid a visit and they have confirmed it for themselves that this experiment is working. And next we talk about Pakistan. Earlier this year, Pakistan Prime Minister Imran Khan was ousted from the government after he lost a crucial no-confidence vote. This happened after Khan fell out of favour with the Pakistan army 
which played a major role in getting him elected back in 2018 so now khan is taking on the army and the pakistani establishment by marching from lahore to islamabad the country's capital and his party pti has even come up with a campaign song for it saaf chali shafaaf chali tehreek e insaaf chali ik doode ka tham haat chalo chalo imran ke saath ik doode ka tham haat chalo chalo imran ke saath saaf chali shafaaf in this segment indian express's national editor of strategic affairs nirupama subramanian joins us to talk about the reason why khan is marching so it started on october 8th from lahore and it's 440 kilometers or so to islamabad he hopes to complete it in 8 days but the way he's going it might take 10 days he's still in only in gujranwala he has not even crossed halfway what he wants to do basically is to bring the force of his support all the people that he can gather along the way and he's got enormous support among the people a uh, more support now he has after he was ousted in this no confidence motion than he ever had during as prime minister or even when he was elected the last time the army and the isi really had to manage his election and even he just crept past and then they had to manage his government formation so it is now that at this point he's the most popular that he's ever been and that's because he has tapped into this sense of victimhood that he has sold to his supporters and to pakistan it is ousted in a conspiracy he's ousted from office in a conspiracy by the us now if you know pakistan you know that there's a very deep anti-american sentiment running through the population the middle classes the religious conservative pakistanis and imran khan has successfully sold them the theory that he was ousted in a plot hatched in the us by the opposition and he is alluded of course to the army's role in all this as well because he's fallen out with the army and now he's so popular you can see the visuals thousands i mean thousands and thousands and thousands of people are marching with him and he hopes to take all these people to islamabad and rattle the government so much that they will call an early election because he believes now he can win the election without even any help at this point nil saaf aur shifaaf election chahta hu aur saaf aur shifaaf election main meri awam faisla kare ki is mulk ki qiyadat kaun karega na washington kare he also perhaps wants to you know have a say in the appointment of the new army chief because he's been in backroom negotiations with the army with the government also by his own admission that through these months in order to actually negotiate with them for an early election as well as to see if there can be a consensus army chief and nirupama of course he would want to have a say in who becomes the next army chief because as we have discussed in previous episodes whoever becomes the pakistan prime minister needs the support of the army that's right he has to have the support of the army and in imran khan's book he would also like somebody with whom he can vibe and he wants to have a say even if he doesn't have a say it is very likely that when he comes to power he may want to change the army chief as well so there are so many combinations to this theory so this is mainly the thing to bring pressure on the powers that be a to call an election right away and 
be possibly force some backroom negotiations with the army and with the government to have a say in the appointment of the army chief this is i think the big framework and in a sense he has kind of rattled the army the establishment already by demonstrating his street support and this is what he will take and he has done this earlier as well i mean this is not the first long march in pakistan in pakistan everybody who wants to bring pressure on the government any section of society whether it's advocates you saw that in 2008 or whether it's a religious group like the tehreek e labek we saw that in 2017 2020 21 the long march people see as a way to bring pressure on the government to have their way and imran khan himself has done these long marches before right like in 2014 for example when he wanted nawaz sharif to resign he embarked on a long march yeah that's what is important here as well that if you recall that long march he made an open appeal to the army calling them the third empire saying i appeal to the third empire now third empire is from cricketing terminology but everybody knew in pakistan by that it he was referring to the army the army didn't bite at all and he had to go home so i mean you've touched on the right thing here which is to say that if you don't have the support of the army when you make a long march you're not likely to succeed at this point he does not have the support of the army for this long march right the army is against this long march it doesn't want it but he believes that he can rattle islamabad enough for them to accede to all that he wants to achieve from this kind of protest yeah and nirupama even before this march started there was an incident involving the killing of a pakistani journalist arshad sharif in kenya and there was a lot of anger about his death which imran khan sort of capitalized on so could you talk about how he did that and who arshad sharif was so now he was a very anti bajwa as in general kamar javed bajwa who's the army chief he was very anti bajwa he was very pro imran khan and at some point imran khan has said it was he who advised arshad sharif to leave the country because his life was in danger so arshad sharif went to dubai then for some reason he went to kenya where he was shot dead everybody but everybody whether you're pro imran khan or anti imran khan believes that arshad sharif was killed not by accident or by mistaken identity or anything as the kenyan police have said but it was a targeted killing and it was aimed at him and he was assassinated basically and these assassinations or these killings have traditionally been carried out by the isi the isi came as soon as he was killed there were all sorts of theories floating around in pakistan they who killed and the needle of suspicion pointed to the isi and at that time the isi felt enough pressure for the first time to come out and to say various things and among them to deny that they were in any way connected to this killing but also to clarify the various uh, allegations that Imran Khan has been making against Bajwa against the army so they felt that pressure mujhe shauri ehsaas hai ki aap log mujhe apne darmiyan dekh ke hairan hai aur main aapki hairani ko achhi tarah samajh sakta hu aaj main apni zaat ke liye nahi aaya aapke paas बल्कि अपने अदारे के लिए आया हूँ जिसके जवान जिसके ऑफिसर्स सुबह शाम इस वतन की हिफाजत में अपनी जानों के नजराने पेश कर रहे और खसूसी तौर पे मैं अपनी एजेंसी के लिए आया हूँ जिसके ऑफिसर्स और एजेंट्स पूरी दुनिया में पाकिस्तान के अंदर 
اس ملک کی پہلی دفاعی لائن بن کے چوبیس گھنٹے جا کام کرتے ہیں جب ان کو چھوٹ کی بنیاد پر بلا جواز تنقید کا تہذیب کا نشانہ بنایا جائے تو بحثیت اس ایجنسی کے اس ادارے کے سربراہ کے میں خاموش نہیں رہ سکتا So that coming out by the ISI for the first ever time, the ISI chief addressed a press conference. This has never happened before. And so people have been saying that uh, this is the first crack in the wall of the army. Now, Imran Khan has succeeded in making that first crack because the army has been so powerful. It does not respond to allegations like this. It just keeps quiet and life goes on in Pakistan. But this is the first time that they have done that. In that sense, I think he's already disrupted the status quo, he's spooked the establishment a little for them to have come out and done this. But I think if, I mean, finally, the army is a very powerful within the Pakistani system and it wants to protect this power. So if they have to make a kind of intervention, if they even have to take over, if they see their power being threatened so much that they have to do something dramatic or drastic, I don't think they'll stop at that because for them, it's a Pakistan army and it's the supremacy of that institution as it is called, although people have pointed out it's not an institution, it is a branch of the government. You shouldn't call it an institution, but in Pakistan, it is called an institution. So the supremacy of the institution, the power of the institution to protect all this, it is not ruled out that they will intervene in some way. How, in what way they will do that, one doesn't know yet. And next we talk about Azam Khan. Last week, UP MLA Azam Khan, who is one of the most senior leaders of the Samajwadi Party, was disqualified from his position after he was convicted in a hate speech case and was sentenced to three years in prison. In this segment, Indian Express's Asad Rahman joins us to talk about the case and the questions that the allies of the Samajwadi Party are now raising. Asad, could you begin by talking about this case that was lodged against Azam Khan? So, this case was related to a hate speech case of 2019 during the campaigning for the 2019 Lok Sabha elections. So, Khan had apparently made some objectionable statements against the district administration, which also acts like the election office for the district during elections. And he had also used some inflammatory words as per the complaint lodged against him. And he was convicted on October 28th of the charges, which included promoting communal enmity between different groups under the Representation of People Act. And he has been sentenced to three years imprisonment. And a day after that, Khan lost his assembly membership after Principal Secretary Vidhan Sabha issued a letter declaring the Rampur seat as vacant which automatically means that Khan is no longer an MLA and has been disqualified from the membership of the UP Vidhan Sabha. Okay, and the other development in the matter happened on Tuesday. That is when we came to know that Rashtriya Lok Dal President Jayant Chaudhary, he wrote a letter to the UP Assembly Speaker and in that letter he talked about BJP MLA Vikram Saini, who was convicted in the Muzaffarnagar riots case. So what did this letter say and how is it related to this matter involving Azam Khan? So Rashtriya Lokdal President Jayan Chaudhary, who's an ally of the Samajwadi Party, he wrote a letter dated October 29th, which was released to the media on Tuesday. In the letter, he has asked UP Assembly Speaker Mr. Satish Mahana 
he's asked him and he's drawn his attention to the case of bjp mla from khatoli in muzaffarnagar vikram saini so saini was on october 11 convicted by a special court in a muzaffarnagar riots case of 2013 under the representation of people act choudhry's contention is that like azam khan was convicted and the next day his membership was taken away and his seat was declared vacant why isn't saini's seat been declared vacant by the vidhan sabha even 3 weeks after he was convicted and sentenced to 2 years in prison so he has asked the speaker why there is a double standard for the two mlas whereas the cases are very similar and so then how has assembly speaker satish mahana and mla vikram saini responded to this letter so when the indian express contacted uh, speaker satish mahana on tuesday evening he said that it is not his work to disqualify someone and that the disqualification is automatic when the case falls under the category of what the rules of the people uh, representation of people act say so the representation of people act section 8 subsection 3 says that if a person is convicted of any offense and sentenced to imprisonment for not less than 2 years shall be disqualified from the date of such conviction and shall continue to be disqualified for a further period of 6 years since his release interestingly saini has been convicted for 2 years and the framing of the law is that disqualification will happen if imprisonment is not less than 2 years so it is up to the legal fraternity and the vidhan sabha to make a call whether this case falls in the category of section 8 subsection 3 of the representation of people act 1951 which will be done when the indian express spoke to mr mahana he said that he has already asked for information regarding saini's case and the vidhan sabha will check whether the case is fit for disqualification or declaring his seat vacant or not now when we asked him about the delay of 3 weeks in this action he said that the responsibility on whoever and if there has been some laxity in conveying this information to the vidhan sabha then the responsibility for that will be fixed and action will be accordingly taken and asad azam khan is one of the most senior leaders of the samajwadi party and he also comes from a family that has been very influential in the state so talk about the significance that he has for the party So Mr Azam Khan is one of the tallest leaders in the Samajwadi party and the party right now is facing a vacuum of leadership apart from Mr Akhilesh Yadav. So Mr Khan and his family in the Rampur Rohilkhand belt are very important for the Samajwadi party and Samajwadi party chief Akhilesh Yadav has already alleged that this is being done as part of the BJP's vendetta politics and this is a BJP conspiracy to sideline in politics. but that it will not help the party help the bjp and that it will rather have consequences for them mr khan is also one of the tallest muslim leaders in a state where 20% of the population belongs to the minority community so that will also have an impact how he is treated by the sp will also have an impact on the prospects of the sp getting the muslim votes in the future you are listening to three things by the indian express Today's show was written and produced by me Shashank Bhargav and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. If you like the show then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it, share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can tweet us at express podcast and write to us at podcast@indianexpress.com. At